Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Come on, put your hands together. Great is the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we got a hot topic and a hot show lineup for tonight. I say it's hot because it's one of those things that this country is suffering from, and a lot of people really don't have answers, and a lot of people really don't care about talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, we know that you're passionate about it, just as I am, and both of us, we do things to help the youth, and we're just going to try to figure this thing out, and we're going to talk about it and try to come up with some type of solutions uh, to what's going on in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and at the core of our topic is our youth, you know, because we've seen this thing um, for quite a while, but it seems like it's starting to really increase, and what I'm talking about is youth violence. And, you know, we, we remember the days where there were just a couple of gangs and you knew, you know, where they lived. There were Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles. And pretty much, you know, that's where all the gangs resided. And nowadays you have gangs that are, like, right in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of weird because I remember when I was growing up, when I was young, you know, we had our little cliques or whatever, but we never really considered them as gangs. And then once the gangs started to really pop up around the time I got into high school, you know, it was like, wow, we have Bloods and Crips in Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you had all these other offshoots of the Vice Lords and the Disciples and the Untouchables and, you know, even kids that really weren't you know, trying to create a gang, you automatically became a gang if there was more than three of you together. Right, right. You know, That's and right. so... Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Let's you know, and so... Let's, let's give out tonight's topic, Brian. Yeah, tonight's topic is... Let me get there. I want to make sure I say it right. What's wrong with our youth? That's tonight's topic. What's wrong with them? You know, and immediately, you know, Greg, I, I think about how our topic really tries to put the blame on our children. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we say what's wrong with our youth, immediately people think, yeah, what's wrong with them kids? Why are they so crazy? You know, I mean, that's the thing that I hear when I ask people about it. You know, and I really want to put the blame where it lies. The blame really lies with the parents whoever those parents or those guardians are that are supposed to be bringing those children up, nurturing those children, teaching those children in the way that they should go. And then also their extended family, whether they belong to a church or a youth organization, those are the people who are responsible for our youth. You and I, we're responsible for our youth. You know, every man that's out there walking is responsible for a child, whether he has one biologically or not. Because they're watching you, you know, they're looking to see how to go, what direction to go in. And if they see you going in the wrong direction, that's the way they're going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, see, and if they see enough of us going in the wrong direction, even the few that are going in the right direction, they'll tell us we're going in the wrong direction. Everybody else is going this way. <laughs> and so because our society has historically glorified the wrong direction, dare I say, 
now the ones that are trying to lead us in the right direction have really been, you know, working. It's been an uphill battle for us. But I, I think that it, it squarely lies upon the adults that are around them, primarily their parents. You know, so... But, but, what, but what about the ones, Brian, that are 14 and 15 and they can make a conscious decision on their own? Uh, we, we, we've always said that it's easy for us to blame the parents, but when you have parents out there doing the right thing and saying the right things to the kids, at mm-hmm. what point does it become up to the kid to say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I've been told that this is not the right thing. I already know that it's not the right thing, even if I haven't been told. You know right from wrong. You know that coming up as a little bitty you know, boy or girl, you know what's right and what's wrong. And you know if you want to be successful, there's a lot of things that you can't do. And if you do something wrong and you get into trouble, shouldn't you learn from that? Shouldn't you know? We should all want to be better and do more. But when you have some kids and some parents or some adults that are just flat out mean and hateful and angry, that's a problem. And I truly believe, Ryan, when you try to take on uh, today's youth with correction and sternness and and just just punishment on every little thing, I think you lose out. I think the only way that you can reach them is you're going to have to have a lot of patience. It's going to take a lot of time because you're going to have to pretty much reprogram and deprogram them. And what I mean by that is you're going to have to go to them with your arms open and you're just going to have to show them love because we all know love conquers all, but a lot of times, Brian, we don't uh, exercise that. And when some people may say love, they need their butt kicked. They need this. No, that's the problem. That's the problem. I, I, I truly believe that uh, it, it's going to take a while, especially when you go to them like that. It's going to take a while because mm-hmm. kids will test you to see if you're sincere. They're going to see if you're sincere. And if you are sincere and it's not your child and you're reaching out to someone, these kids, they're going to test you. And when they find out that you're not sincere, you just wasted your time because they're going to cut you off. But when they find out that you are sincere, they'll, they'll start to turn around a little bit just to see how long you're going to be in there. And, and if, if this is something that you're going to do, then be in it for the long haul. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think you hit it right on the button. You know, a lot of times the easy answer is to tell them to, you know, whoop that boy's tail and he'll straighten up. Or you better do that and this girl will stop being the way she is. You know, and that's the easy way out. You know, you could always give them a spanking. And I'm not, you know, I'm not against spanking. I think, you know, in proper context, you know, it says spare the rod, spoil the child. So if you have to give a spanking, you know, so be it. Now, I mean, people may disagree. But at some point, they have to understand what the spanking is for. At some point, you have to really have that conversation with them because otherwise, they begin to think that beatings are okay. Not spankings, what I'm saying, beatings, because they don't consider it a spanking. You know, and then you do have some who abuse, and, you know, we're not really talking about that particular portion of it. But just for the simple spanking, you have to have verbal reinforcement behind it, and it has to be something that where the child understands, you know, what they're being spanked for, why they're being spanked. And it has to be something that's, that's done at an early age. You can't wait until they're robbing you and breaking into houses at age seven, you know, because there are some that are doing that, believe it or not, before you start wanting to uh, implement, you know, a spanking or implement a sit-down, hey, let's talk, because by then it's too late. This is something that has to happen at an early age. I've seen too many times where, Parents will say, oh, that's so cute when the little boy is cussing. Or they'll say, baby, cuss her out. Tell her about her behind. And the little girl is barely able to speak. But she she can form curse words better than regular words. You see, and then they think it's cute. Or a parent will get in front of a child and tell somebody off. 
and then, you know, basically talk about that person to their child like it's right. right. You know, and then they wonder why that child grows up and tells them off and tells them about themselves, and they'll say, wait a minute, I'm your mama. You know, or wait a minute, how, why are you talking like that in front of me? And then the child reminds them, you talk like that in front of me. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, Brian, just to hit on the, the spanking part of it, you know, a, a parent here in Florida, if you, you know, spank your child and you leave a bruise on your child, let's say that they're fair-skinned and you leave a bruise or whatever, oh, and, and this kid goes to school. Oh, you better believe DCF is going to be coming at your job. They're going to be knocking on your door. You can believe that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, yes, yes. They they hold us to a higher, a much higher standard. They hold parents to a much higher standard than when a child is misbehaving in school and, and something happens and let's say the police gets involved and the kid is taken to the hospital because the police officer uh, used excessive force. But there's nothing wrong with that. I have a problem with that. I know that that's a different show. We're going to talk about that. But it it, it goes from spankings to beatings. The, the society, uh-huh. society says it's okay for police officers to do that. It's okay if they do it. But if you spank your child and, and you leave a mark or let's say, God forbid, you did, and your child says, you know what, my mom or my, my dad spanked me this morning and I'm sore or whatever, whatever, oh, they're going to do an investigation. Oh, you best believe. And, you know, and and for the most part, that is actually designed for the well-being of the child. Mm -hmm. But at the same time. What about about under the care of the police or the sheriff or authority, the authority figures? What about them? And and some of these kids, Brian, some of them are taken to the hospital and, and just stitches or whatever. And they say, well, we're trying to get the kid under control. Okay, why can't the parents try to get the kid under control? I, I think that there's a much higher standard. Society places a higher standard on parents than they do when they punish their child, when a police officer or somebody else do it. Oh, we were trying to subdue, we're trying to do this and, and detain and this kind of stuff. Well, okay. and, and you, know, you know, to add to that, you know, and, and again, we're not bashing police officers. No, no, we're not, not at all. But what we are doing is we're showing you the difference and the disparities in that. When you have a situation where you have to um, spank a child, and if that child has a mark, or even if that child just says, my mama spanked me today, you know, you have this huge investigation, and it's like the parents are, you know, are so wrong and so bad, and ultimately you should be looking in towards the best, what's best for the child, but at the same time, you have to understand that that parent has to do what they have to do. They, you have to allow parents to be parents, especially good parents, right. you know. And I've seen quite a few times where, you know, kids will be upset with their parents, and they'll get one of their friends to punch them in the face, and then they'll call and say, my mama did this or my daddy did that, and, you know, you know or... Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't have to be a physical act. It can be... Uh, a punishment, they, they ground them, uh, go to your mm-hmm. room, and they take the television out of the room, and the kid picks up the telephone, and they make a phone call, and now the parent is in trouble. Now, yep. now they're And even, even something as simple as, let's say the parent, let's say the parent has a weapon, right? And let's say that that weapon is a legal weapon, they have it registered and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Kids will call, because, you know, I've actually heard about this before, where the kids will call and say, my daddy pointed a gun at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you understand where that goes. Right. And, and then, you know, where that... Yeah. And then, Brian, it may not be true that the father did that, but mm-hmm. the investigation and all of the stuff that goes into that, mm-hmm. it is very serious, and it should be very serious, if, Absolutely. in fact, that happens. But when you have a police officer that points a gun at a kid, it's not look the same. Look, it's not. The, and kids, and, and the reason we're talking about this, we're saying that it is really, really hard on parents to punish their children right now. It is mm-hmm. really, really hard, and you have a lot of kids that say. And we don't want to even say the word punish. We want to say we want to make them mind. Correct. It's difficult for us to 
to make them mine because we have, you know, that we have to almost look over our shoulder right. as if to say when we're reprimanding them for doing something wrong, do we have to worry about where the Miss Susie thinks it's not right for us to fuss at our child, you know, or Miss Susie's upset because our child is upset, so she decides to call the cops and say that person is demeaning their child. They're verbally abusing their child. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, I had a situation where I was getting on one of my children, and a lady in the store says, oh, you shouldn't talk to them like that. And I, and I immediately turned to the lady. I said, babies, y'all go home with her. <laughs> Y'all go home with her, and they're looking at me like, for real? I'm like, yeah, y'all go home with her, because apparently she thinks she can do a better job than me. So y'all go home with her, and they was like, we don't want to go with that lady. I I told her, I said, okay, then y'all do what I say. And I said, lady, respectfully, you mind your business. Thank you. Thank you. You know, because that's, that's what I find is the most damaging part of trying to raise a child, where someone intervenes while you're trying to reprimand you. Now, and again, there's a difference between reprimanding and abusing. And I'm not talking about if somebody gets in the way because there's a parent that's literally punching their child in the face. You know, that's abuse, and we're not talking about abuse. We're talking about when when, when a parent is trying to reprimand their child for doing something wrong, it, it, it becomes increasingly difficult because you have people who believe that they're working in the best interest of the child. And they get involved, and now that child ultimately has even less respect for that adult because they figure somebody else is going to come to my rescue when I do something wrong again. And, Brian, uh, you have so many kids that are running away, going to their friend's house, and it is really, it's really tough because the kids know. All I have to do is call 911. Whether I talk mm-hmm. with them over the telephone or not, that phone is going to ring back. And if my mom answers, if I answer, if if I say everything is okay, guess what? They're still coming. Yep. They're 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 still coming. And uh, and 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 don't get me wrong, Brian, uh, because a lot of times that call is needed because right. a lot of kids are being abused. They are being abused, right. but. And, 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 again, the reason that we're talking about it is because it's really, really hard. And when you raise kids and, and they can't be punished or you can't punish them because you're afraid that you're going to lose your job or you're going to be investigated and be in a system for so many years and and then they may rule in the child's favor and find you at fault and you get arrested and you lose your job. And it's just it's, it's a bad situation. And yeah. it's really, really tough. But the thing is, once you raise that child and you do the best that you can, and that child goes out and gets into trouble, that judge is not that judge is not going to be like the parent. He's not going to no. be like that parent. He's going to punish them for what they did. But he's going to punish the parents. Yes, and no, and, you know, and, and I think what our, our children need to realize is that when you get in trouble, everybody gets in trouble. When you yep. go to jail, your parents are in jail with you. They may not be physically in there, but they mm-hmm. are. Everybody's in jail, and everybody that that loves you and everybody that's connected with you, they all feel that they their lives are changed because of the decisions that that kid is making. And it may not be uh, all the time that they may have had bad parents. It just may be that that kid chose to do something with their friends, just chose to do things. And this is a different time. This was different times than when we were growing up, Brian. Right. Because, you know, a lot of things that we used to do, kids do things now that are just so much more advanced. It's just so much more out there. They have the drug issues. They have to deal with with gangs. They have to deal with uh, kids pressuring them into sex. And they have to deal with all these things. And, and then some of them, uh, you know, they, they may be, they, they may not be heterosexuals. They may be gay or lesbians or whatever. They have to deal with all of that stuff. It's a lot to deal with. And then the big thing now, Brian, everybody knows is the kids that are being bullied. That's a yeah. big. That's another big thing. So when these kids are hurting, who can they reach out to? Yeah, you know, I agree. One of the things that I've learned 
by while working with kids and you know talking with parents that have you know parents and uh, other folks that that deal with children or work with children is that the one thing that seems to permeate each one of the situations when you're dealing with a kid that's been in trouble is the lack of communication. You know, the lack of communication. The kids will say, well, my mama wouldn't talk to me or my daddy don't talk to me or I feel like my parents don't love me, you know, or when I did something wrong, they really got on me, but they didn't listen to me because I... They they didn't understand why I did it, or they'll say I didn't do it, but somebody said that I did, you know. And these are the, these are the things that you hear from the kids. Like I, we talked with the kids when Greg and I worked in the juvenile detention center, um, working with the um, the um, incarcerated youth, and you know we learned so much just by listening to what they say. You know they know that they did something wrong. They know that they're going to get punished for it. But, again, a lot of times they got pulled into it because of peer pressure. You know, they were afraid somebody's going to jump them or they didn't want to look like the wimp or the weak one, you know. And so a lot of times we don't understand why our, why our kids are doing these things. Sometimes they can't help it because, you like, like Greg said, we, they are being bullied, you know. But, Greg, what about the ones who aren't being bullied, the ones who are the instigators, the perpetrators, the ones that are, you know, manufacturing the foolishness. Mm. You know, what are we going to do with them? You know, I, I think that the ones that that are, are the instigators, you know what, Brian, they turn out to be the best leaders because they can get a lot of people to do stuff for them that they won't do. And I think what we have to do is channel um, that talent that they have or that gift that they have and they're using it the wrong way. If we could channel that in the right direction, and the way that they can get others to do wrong, if they can get them to do right, that was that. That's absolutely amazing. And I think what we do, I think as adults, what we do a lot of times in, in, in school officials, I think that they harp so much on the things that the kids are doing wrong, and they're not focusing on what the kid can do that's right. They're focusing on the things that they did wrong, or they're focusing on the negative side of what that kid is doing. I think they really need to understand and communicate with the kid that listens. We uh-huh. understand and we see what you're doing. Why don't you do it this way? You have such potential. You can do this and you can go farther than where you're going. And, and instead of telling them, bashing their heads in and saying, you know what, I don't want to see you in my office again. This is this, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's not working. That's not working. When you... When you uh, uh, step to a problem with aggression and anger, that kid is going to shut you down and you won't get in. And whatever you're saying to them is just noise. They'll take that and listen to you and say whatever they have to say to get out of there. Don't talk at the child, talk with them. And when right. the kids are listening, get them to talk back, get them to respond. Create an atmosphere at the school where all of the kids can communicate. Because a lot of the kids, a lot of them don't even know each other. They don't know each other. Because the way the kids communicate now is totally different from, Brian, the way that we used to communicate. Right. Now now kids, uh, they're, they're fine. They don't have to see each other as long as they can text and talk on the phone and go to different schools. They don't have to see each other but once a week or once every two weeks. And, mm-hmm. you know, but when they finally get together without that cell phone and, and the texting and all of this uh, other technology, a lot of them, Brian, really don't know how to communicate with each other. I was just about to say, you know, one of the things I learned by watching the kids, even at, at my church, is that these kids will sit next to each other and text each other. Yeah. They will yeah. sit right next to each other, and instead of having a regular conversation, they'll text each other. And, you know, some of the kids, like at my church, they'll text me at times, asking me questions about computers or how do I do this um, on this particular program and so forth. And they'll put the stuff at the back of their of their text message. I have no idea what that stuff means, but they know exactly what it means. <laughs> and so it's like they talk in a completely different language. Yes. 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 You know, and I even, 
you know, yes, I'm that type of parent. I read my children's text messages. When they go to sleep at night and they oh, turn no those privacy. phones off, I turn them back on and I check their text messages. Oh, yeah, no privacy. No, no. That's right. I told them when, I said, if you live in my house and I pay your bills and you eat my food, you have no privacy. If you want privacy, <laughs> you better go in the restroom. And right. you can't take the phone in there with you. <laughs> right. You know, but the reality is, when I read some of the stuff that their friends send, I ask them about it. What did what were they talking about? Oh, well, they'll say this and they'll and half the time they don't know what it means. And they'll say, "Well, that's just what she puts at the end of her text messages." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Okay, so they don't have a clue what the, what these other kids are talking about." So, does it really mean anything or is it something there to try to confuse the parents? You know, are they are they speaking in code? You know, but the reality is a lot of times when something goes wrong, these kids know it before the adults do. They know the people who are doing wrong. They know when somebody's done something criminal or somebody has cheated on a test or somebody's done this, and yet they will stick together like glue. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's somebody in that group that doesn't like them. <laughs> you know, another thing, too, kids look at the system. When I say the system, the justice system, the judicial system, uh, they look at it, they totally understand it. They'll, kids will tell you, oh, this is a money thing. They only want money. And the lawmakers, they're study writing all these different laws, and they're coming up with all these different things. They're finding so many different ways to punish the kid, but at the same time, there's a fine that they need to pay. These kids don't work. That's coming from the parents. Mm-hmm. The, the parents are going to have to pay this. And and some of these things are just, I mean, some of the stuff is petty. And, and I really believe that there's a better way in dealing with the kids than to have punishment for every single thing that they do. And not all the time, Brian, their intent is not always bad. And I've, you know, never, I've never seen a law that stops a kid from doing anything. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. But I just think that people really need to reach out a little bit more. Uh, yeah. to, you know what I learned? I learned that most of the time these kids don't even understand the ramifications of the laws that are designed to punish them. They don't understand those laws. You know, when... If they have to go to juvenile detention, they don't understand that once they go into juvenile detention that that record stays with them until they become an adult. And when they become an adult, if the judge so decides, he can expunge their record. See, they don't realize that they have to go to a judge to get their record, you know, their juvie record thrown out. See, they just figure, oh, when I turn 18 and this all goes away. No, that's not how it works. Because if a judge so chose to, or if they needed to go back to your juvenile records, they could. That just shields their your record from potential employers. But guess what? In this day and age where the market is tight and there's not many jobs, guess what, guess what employers are doing? They're requesting those records be unsealed for certain jobs. So you try to go get a high-level job somewhere, guess what they're going to look at? Your juvie record. If you have one, they're going to look at, uh, believe it or not, if someone else in your family has an extensive criminal history, like a brother or aunt or a parent, especially if it's a job related to to the federal government, they're looking at that stuff. And these kids don't realize that what they do when they're younger is going to affect them when they get older. You know, I have an uncle who did uh, a significant uh, amount of time in prison. And he's in his 50s now. He has to go out and work a hard job. I'm not talking about, you know, going to wash a car or whatever. He's pulling up trees every day, you know, because he can't go and get a job at, like, Publix or Winn-Dixie or somewhere like that. You know, he can't get one of those inside jobs because of his extensive criminal history. And, you know, he understands that now. But back when he was acting, you know, 
when he was doing his thing, he was still a young man, and, you know, he was out there doing crazy stuff. Right. And when he finally got caught, and he had to do a lot of time. You know, and, you know, he'll tell you like anybody, man, look here. Nothing will sober you like time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. And, Brian, we, 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 I see we have a... a couple callers on the line right now if you want to go to them. Caller, hang on. We're going to come to you in, in just a few seconds. Caller from the 407 area code. Hang on. We're going to come to you in just a second. But, Brian, you know, is it me or is, you know, am I right in saying that today's youth, they seem like they're just flat out angry? And before you answer that, this morning I was, I was driving into work and I saw a parent dropping her son off to school. And she dropped him off. And he got out the passenger side, and he walked around, and she was talking to him. You know, she rolled the window down, and he had, he had passed the car. And he was talking to him. I know he heard her. I know he could hear her. He hit, he ignored her. And I could, my windows were up, and I could hear her calling his name. And he was just a couple of feet from her. And he just, uh-huh. walked, he just walked on into the school and just ignored her. And I'm thinking... What in the world would you be so upset about that your mom or your dad is trying to hold a conversation with you or trying to get your attention to tell you something and you just ignore them and walk in the building? But again, the question is, do our youth seem angry? Oh, well, you know, it it really depends because I I see in a, a lot of different youth react to different situations. You know, I'll give you an example. There are some kids that are just downright mean to their siblings, Mm -hmm. but they're the nicest people in the world to their friends. You know, some siblings, they can't stand their parents, but their best friend's parents, oh, they love them. You see, so it really depends. I I think when you put it into context, Generally, our children aren't angry, but what happens is they don't know how to they don't know how to react to unfavorable situations. See, back when I was little, we got mad. We never showed it, not in front of our parents. You didn't get mad in front of your parents. You didn't stump your feet or suck your teeth or anything, you know, or frown up, or, or you know, because back in the day, parents didn't didn't hesitate. No, oh, they didn't play. They didn't hesitate. <laughs> and I'll just say it like that. They didn't hesitate. And it didn't have to be your parent. It could be any parent. It could be any. If you were a parent, then you could deal with that child. You know, I can remember in my neighborhood, Anybody in my neighborhood could tighten me up. It wouldn't matter. And if they had to, I would beg, don't tell my daddy you whooped me. Please. (laughs) Because he was coming next. And I was going to get one for embarrassing him in the neighborhood so that somebody had to spank me. And then I was going to get another one for what I actually did. (laughs) You see, nowadays... Our children do something wrong, and we go on their defense. My my child didn't do that. How do I know your child didn't do it and blamed it on my child? You and know. Another, and another thing, too, Brandon, we have to really be careful and watch the actions and the things that our children do because molestation is real. It's real. A lot of kids are dealing with that. So as 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 adults and as school teachers we really need to be careful when we label our kids and say, Oh, that person is a troublemaker. Are you coming in here with with acting acting up today? I wish you I hope you act better today and don't come in here with all that foolishness. But you have to understand you don't know what that child had to deal with from ten PM to eight AM or seven thirty or six thirty AM. You don't know if that child was was, was, was in a corner hoping that her uncle or her, or her dad or her stepdad didn't come in the room and have sex with her or just rape or molest her. We don't know what that child is going through. We don't know what that little boy is going through and what happened to him and why he's so angry. 
you know, we we don't mm-hmm. we don't take enough time to tr- to try to figure out what's going on because Brian, a lot of times, a lot of the parents are working two jobs, and sometimes they just miss it. And you know from doing this radio show how many women, I would say ninety percent of the women that come on the show, have been raped or molested. Mm-hmm. So the kids are going through a lot. There is a lot that they're going through. And we really, really have to be careful because, you know, the behaviors are different. And you and I saw that when we were coaching Pee Wee football. We could tell the ones that were on medication. Mm-hmm. We could tell when they were on it, uh, the Ritalin and the other things. And it's just you just have to be careful with the words that you choose to use with these kids, and, and, and not just kids, with adults as well. You have a lot yeah. of adults that are still dealing with being molested as a child and being raped. Uh, you know, you you see it so much. Things are just so different now. You have so many people out there that are just, you know, they target the kids. And, and a lot of the kids, you know, they take that, and then they have to deal with it, and they have to process being molested. They have to process being just violated. And it's such an embarrassing thing that they won't say anything because a lot of times, Brian, you know, they've been threatened that if they say something, you know, they may mm-hmm. kill the parents or they may do something. You know, you just you just never know. You never know. Right, right. But, Brian, I think we have a caller um, on uh, from the 407 area code if you want to go to. Yes, let's go to that caller. Caller from the 407 area code, you are live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. Oh, hey, um, Brian, it's Wilbine from work. Hey. <laughs> hey, I just tuned in because of the um the the, the topic. Mhm. You know, I have a a twelve year old little sister, um, and a twelve year old little cousin, is who, you know, I um I look after a lot of the time, and so I just wanted to listen and kind of I guess get some pointers in the way. Um, when it comes to dealing with them, you know, they're both 12, they're both 7th grade, but they act completely different. How, how old are they? 12. Oh, boy. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah. see, as the, daughter, as, the, as the father of 12-year-old twins, I can say that you are absolutely right. They do act a lot different, you know. Um, it, I tend to not give a whole lot of advice on how to raise kids because I'm still learning myself. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that the best way to approach raising a child is to communicate with them, talk with them, you know, just get the understanding where they can feel safe having a conversation with you. Because I know for my children, they don't have a problem telling me what happened during the day. You know, they don't have a problem with saying, hey, Daddy, this is what happened today at school or this is what happened today with this particular person, you know. And so I would say that's the that's probably the most important thing is you want to definitely have that, you know, freedom of communication and conversation with them. As far as with um, my little sister, she has no problem talking to mm-hmm. me. We communicate very well because mm-hmm. um I basically raised her since she was born, you know. Um when I call her she tells me about everything that happened during the day. Mm-hmm. If we hadn't spoken for two days she catches me up for those two days. Mhm. You know, she, she's very comfortable with me, which I like, you know, um she's not uh that she's just your typical 12-year-old, you know. She maybe talks in class every once in the blue, and then the teacher says, hey, Shonda was talking or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my little cousin, on the <laughs> other hand, is a different story. Mm-hmm. She She's my problem child. Um, very smart girl, extremely smart. She'll come up and pull out a straight A's. But at the same time, get suspended for a week or two. Ah. Yeah. So I I just don't understand when she like her mother will go away, um, will be out of the country for a while, and she'll end up staying with us. And when I'm there, when she's staying with my mom, we'll actually get 
calls and letters from her school telling us how much progress that she's made since she stayed with us. But once her mother comes back into the country and she goes back home with her mom, she does this 180 and it's, you know, right back to the way that things were. She's giving trouble at home. She's giving trouble at school. She's giving trouble at church. No matter where she goes, everyone kind of despises her in a way because she just happens to be that problem child no matter where she goes. Whereas when she comes to my house, she is great. She is awesome, which kind of brings me back to something you said earlier. Um, Sometimes a child will be in their house and give their parents trouble. Then they'll Mm -hmm. come to somebody else's house and be an angel with that person, and that's how she is. You know what, it, it sounds like you guys are, or, you know, when she comes to your house, the love, I, I, I think she can really see the, the sincere um, affection and the love that you have for her. Now, I don't know her mom or her dad or whatever, you know, her living arrangements at, at home, but she could be living with a parent that's really, really strict or that parent is just not paying them any attention at all. And, and, I and think her, that's what it is. Yeah, and her being really, really smart, she may be bored. She may be bored at the school with, with a lot of the work. But mm-hmm. I, I really believe that, you know, please stay in her life and, and reach out to her and try to get her a little bit more and talk to her a little bit more probably, I, I would say, on a daily basis, and speak speak life into her. You just never know what that parent is saying to her. That parent may be calling her stupid or dumb, and I don't want to. I'm not saying that that person is, but mm-hmm. when you speak life into a child, that's what you're going to get back. But when you start speaking death, and when I say death, I'm not meaning actual death, but I'm just saying negative things like mm-hmm. you're stupid, you, I'm sick of you getting in trouble, you, you, you're making things so hard for me, and this and that. And, and and it just sounds like that child is just not comfortable and they're not happy going home. That's what it sounds like. You know, that I that's um true. You know, her her mother is my mom's sister and she's um well this this is the thing. Her mother is really not in tune with what her kids would be in tune with, basically. Right. Um her mom works hard. But when she comes home, she first of all, she she doesn't speak English well at all. And so she does not know what goes on. So even if she were to say, let me see your homework, there's not so much that she can help with or, you know, not so much that she can understand what what's going on in this child's life. Because basically, which I try to get my aunt and my uncles and everyone to understand, and even my mother, that I keep re- telling them the way that we were raised here in the United States is not the way that they were raised. Right. And so you can't keep forcing us to be like you because we're never going to be like you in a sense because we did not have the same upbringing. And so she does not have a connection with her parents because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, although when I was her age, I had I still had a connection with my parents although they were not tried very hard to be in tune with what me and my brother liked. But it's think that it's kinda hard for her parents to do that with her. So when she comes over to my house, you know, I, I like to do things that the kids like to do. We we'll go to the movies, we'll go to the park, we'll we do things, go to the library, we'll read books. I make them read. You know, whereas she's not they don't make her read. See, I don't just tell you to read or ask you to read, I'm gonna make you read because you have no choice. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm the adult. Whereas mm-hmm. she has a choice at her house, she has too much. She has too many choices at her house, and I think that you know that there may be a problem. You know, because to me, she seems very, very troubled. But when she comes to my house, she's extra happy. And I know you that Brian. Yeah, I know Brian wants to to respond. But let me say this: that child may. It, it's funny. Kids are funny. They love. Discipline. I'm not saying they love spankings now, but they love to be disciplined because they know that you mm-hmm. care about them when you do that. But when you just ignore them and don't get involved in anything that they're doing, it, that's tough. It's it's tough. On, it's really really tough on them. But I just say this: 
staying her life. Try to is, is she in is she in Tallahassee? She's not in Tallahassee. She's in Orlando. No. Her mom has actually asked me to take her for her, and I would if I was in the position where I can take care of her. I would because I, I and I think about her quite a bit um, mm-hmm. because of her situation, you know. And I would take her if I was stable enough to take her. But all I can do really is just when I do get to Orlando, I can spend um, some time with her. And you know what? As far as the discipline, her parents may spank her. I've, I don't have to spank her. When she comes to my house, I say, listen, whatever issues you may have, please leave that outside my door. When you come in, it's completely different. She says, okay. And she's the perfect angel at my house. No problem, ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to say, it sounds like that you can reach her better than her parents can. And she, she responds to you because you're actually being more than just a authority figure to her. You know, she doesn't see you as that authority figure. She sees you as somebody who she can go to and talk to. So you have to continue to be that person. I would say don't change anything. And there I would even say, you you know, her moving with you may not be the altogether best solution for her. Because you have to remember, once you become that authority figure over her, once you have to tell her no and she says, well, I don't want to do this, and then you have to enforce that authority over her, now the tables will turn. You see, when I, I can remember when I raised, uh, at the time we, at the time he moved with us, he was 14, and he was with us for probably about a year and a half, and then he moved on, but he was still a part of our family. But I had a, and he's probably about 20 years old now, I guess. Uh, we had a foster son, and when he first moved with us, he could not take instruction from me. He he just hated to hear what I had to say. And if I ever had to get on his case about something, he would literally cry. And I know he probably saying, man, why are you telling everybody that? But it's the truth. You know, my wife would always be the one to tell him what to do because he could take it from her. But whenever he didn't want to listen to her and I had to say something, oh, it was like I was beating him across the head with a stick. You know, and, and I never had to get to that point, you know, but I was always forceful, and I was always saying, look, this is how it's got to be done. So I was known as the enforcer, you know, because anything my wife told him to do, if he didn't want to do it, I said, no, you better do it, (laughs) you know. And it wasn't until he moved out of my house, became an adult, got some kids, and I say kids with an S, you know, and then had to learn how to, to raise them, that a lot of those things start coming back to him. Yeah. You know, and, and, and part of that, and what I say to you is that you have to, see, right now, you have authority over her, but you're her friend, and she can come to you, and she can talk to you. She doesn't have that with her current authority figures as her parents. So she knows that she can confide in you for anything. Continue to be that same person. Because right now, that's what she needs. You know, dare I say, if, if, if she was the movie with you right now, she would lose her family structure. She would lose a lot of the structure that she has right now. She would think because she lives with you now, she can do whatever she wants to do. Oh, she wouldn't, she, she wouldn't think so because she already knows. I've had my sister live with me. You know, I took my sister, um, I didn't take her from my mom. It was just the arrangement that we had for her to come and mm-hmm. stay with me. And uh, But you have to remember, this is, this is different. You have a sister. Now, your sister's already part of that family structure. You see, that's your sister. This is your cousin. It's a little bit different because you're, cause she's not your sister. She's your cousin. So your sister, she's, she's been there in the house with you for the most part. Y'all grew up together, 
You see? And that so it's a little bit different. But but I would say continue I would say think about it. Really consider, you know, what you're doing. You don't want to disrupt that family structure unless now I say this, unless that family st- structure has completely crumbled. The, the the structure is not really uh, standing up the way it should. Basically, um, there's just a, a lot going on. I've mm-hmm. I've been dealing with her since she was a since she was a baby as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she's been really around me since she was uh, four years old. And I told you, like, she would actually stay in our house for months. So she's just like my little sister. She's used to the way I deal with them. They already mm-hmm. know. I will smile. I will kiki and laugh with you. I'll do. You can get whatever you want. I will spoil you. However, that only comes. That's a reward. You know what I mean? They understand mm-hmm. that all that is a reward. Because once you cross that line, um, and you no longer deserve rewards, that that's when we get the okay. See, from right now, you you know you're either. I start taking some of those rewards, some of those things that they like. I start taking them all away. And I deal with them all the same way, and so um, so she knows I'm I'm both her friend and I'm the enforcer. Mm-hmm. I do it all because you have to have a balance because I need my respect at the end of the day. You're not going to treat me like a child just like you. I'm I'm gonna have fun with you. I'm going to do everything you want to do, but at the same time, you have to still um, give me that respect that I need. And that's how I, that's how I deal with them. I give them respect. They give me respect. You know, there's there's a nice balance. Not that they don't ever cross the line, but they know what happens when they cross the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> I think you're doing a wonderful job. I just say, just you're doing the best that you can with the time that you're given with her. Thank She's you. She's gonna always remember that. Um, yes. You know, kids here. Um, some of them, you know, they. Some of, some kids are used to hearing, I love you. They're, they're used to hearing that. They're so used to hearing that, you know. And then again, some of them aren't. But uh, when you tell a kid that I'm proud of you, it, it, it's totally different. Or if you tell a kid I'm disappointed in you, it, it I mean, that's to some kids, that's, that's, the, that's worse than any other punishment that you can give them, especially if they respect you. And you spend time with them. They they, it, they just mean so much because a lot of times they really want to earn. They want to earn that from you. They want they want to hear those positive saying those things of I'm proud of you. You did a wonderful job. Let's go this. Let's go do this. And that kid is on cloud nine when you do that. But at the same time, when they do something wrong and you scold them, you say, you know what? I'm disappointed in you. I, I you know I know you know better. I just can't believe that you did this. You know, and it it really goes a long way when you have that communication that you have with her, and, and that sounds like a beautiful thing that she doesn't have at home. It just sounds like there's no communication at all, um, and, and it also sounds like she's losing herself into her studies because if she's just a straight A student and her mom can't help her, and the only help that she's getting is at school, oh yeah, she she's she's definitely, um, uh, and, and then again, her her work just may be her outlet. Yeah. That may be her outlet. So. But again, I think you're doing a wonderful job and continue doing that. I mean, you can only do what you can do, and anything else you have no control over. And I say, don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm trying. It's just, you know, I'll spend like a month away, and when I come home, and let's say I, I'll go to church or something, and. I would get bombarded with complaints. And my question to them is, okay, but their parents are here. They go to this church as well. Why have we not <laughs> complained or, or talked to them? And when I asked them that, they said, well, um, even she says it, that, well, she's like all the other little kids will tell will tell them, if you complain to Rodine, she she will make a, a better difference than if you tell the parents. And so I'm like, okay, no. And this happens all the time. Even with my sister, they will not complain to my mom, and my cousin, they will not complain to my aunt. Everyone will wait and hold it for, like, the month that I'm gone and come back and tell me 
It sounds like you have an important charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's love. It's, it's love. That's, that's what it is. The kids, they recognize that. It's love. You know, I remember being that age. That's, that's, that's the thing. I put myself in their shoes a lot. Mm-hmm. I always try to think, you know, had this been me and I was challenged with this at that age, you know, how would I react? So that's, that that's my thing. I guess probably the difference between myself um, and my aunt, and my mother. Like they they still have the same mindset that when they were growing up, how things were. Things were very perfect for them. They lived in a perfect household, six children, parents who are still together till this day. You know, perfect harmony in the house. Well, it's not like that here. You know, and their parents didn't work as hard as they do here in the United States. So. They always had time for them twenty four seven. So this is it's not the same thing. This is not right. the same thing. And so I put myself myself in their shoes constantly just so I can try to associate and relate with them. And at some point you may have to get her. Yeah. I'm thinking so. I'm thinking by the time because they're both in seventh grade now, I'm thinking by the time they're in high school, if I had the both of them it would be a great experience. For them and for myself as well. Mhm. Yeah, because we have to also remember that you want to do what's best for them. Mhm. I mean, because that's that's really the goal to have them in the most stable and comfortable situation, mm-hmm. without making them too comfortable. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, know, because a lot because you have to also remember with kids, they are master manipulators. Yes, they are. I say that as my son walks in the room. <laughs> they are master manipulators. And so they know how to push your buttons, and they know how to stroke your ego. They do. You know, and so we have to be careful because when when you become too much of their friend, you're not their parent. Exactly. You know, and when you become too much of their parent, you're not their friend. And so you have to find that fine line. Well, how do you find that balance? Where? How do you find that balance? Each child is different. Where is that medium? You know what? I I I think you summed it up best. The way that you 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 already have a balance with them. I I really believe the balance that you have with some kids. I mean, it's a little bit different with other kids. Right. Um, Just from coaching football, Brian. I I mean, we have what thirty kids out there, Brian. At least every one of them was every one of them was different, and every and one of them took a them. different way to motivate them yeah. to get them to respond. There was one kid; all we had to do was tell him, "Whoever makes the most tackles doesn't get to do up downs," and he'd go out there and make fifteen tackles. <laughs> the other one, we tell him, "Go out there and do a good job," and he'll get fifteen tackles. And we'll say, "Hey, don't let him get more tackles than you," you know, and. Just that little bit of reinforcement, that kid would go out and play his heart out. You know, and Greg, you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. You know, and it was just something as simple as that. And their mother would be like, how did y'all get him to respond to y'all? You know, they would call us when the kids would get in trouble at school and wow. say, can you go up to the school and talk to him? You know, oh, yeah, and I'd know. tell the kids, if I show up to your school, you know what time it is, and that's all I would have to say. And then the the, the, the parents would say, "I don't know what you told him at practice, <laughs> but he's been a, a perfect angel at school." And they would say, "The, the teacher wants to know what you told him." <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> and really, what it was is that they didn't want to disappoint us. Yep. They didn't want their coaches disappointed in them, because they knew if, they, if we were disappointed in them, one, they wouldn't play as much. You know, because that that was one of the things. You had to behave in order to play. But the other part of it was that they didn't want to disappoint us. Yeah. Brian, we have about a minute left in the show. Okay. But, but you know, just I say to our caller, just, just continue showing her love, and, that, and that, that's exactly what you're doing. You, you're, you're, you're giving her love, and she's, she's embracing it, and it just sounds like you guys have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And just never let anything come between that. And always keep that open to her where she can come to you and talk to you 
on a daily basis because, again, we just never know what she's going through. I yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Thank about you. to sign off. Thank you. It was great listening to you guys converse as well. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Brian, and with that being said, it's, you know, <laughs> if, if you do this again, I will. I will definitely. All right. All right. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you all for joining us tonight, and we please ask that you join us again as we have another exciting show ready for you next week. Good evening, God bless you all, and good night to everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.